Welcome back to episode number 160 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're doing a replay of an Ask Me Anything session on operator safety during handling and cleanup hazardous dust that we did inside the Dust Safety Academy. In this session, we did an Ask Me Anything or a question answer session with David Hakes, president and owner of XP Products. This is part of the, the bi-weekly, was bi-weekly back then in April of 2021. Now monthly trainings that we do inside the Dust Safety Academy. Some of them are presentation style webinars. Others are just ask me anything where we bring experts on and go through a, a number of questions on a specific topic. In this case, we were talking about operator safety during handling and cleanup of hazardous dust. We had a bunch of questions that were pre-set up and ready to go. And then we took Q&A at the end of the session. So in the first half of this podcast episode, we're going to go through this first part of the, the session. Um, we're going to cover challenges when it comes to handling hazardous dust, talking about things like operator training, the specific dust that people might be exposed to, and what are some considerations about that type of dust, different kinds of valves, energy sources, machine guarding for rotary valves, um, all the way to maintenance procedures, types of material that are sucked in by the type piece of equipment. We talk a lot around PPE for operators handling combustible dust and other elements like lockout and tagout procedures, shutdowns of dust collection before waste removal, and signage and equipment near the dust collector. So this was all the material we covered sort of in the first half of this Ask Me Anything session, which we'll play this week on the podcast. And then next week, we'll come back with the Q&A that was open to the audience there and get uh, David's input on those questions as well. So again, these are sessions that we do inside the Dust Safety Academy at dustsafetyacademy.com. This one was from April 2021, but we're just getting this around to getting this up on the podcast now. If you want to attend these live, if you want to interact with the community, you can go to dustsafetyacademy.com and sign up for the membership there. It's free to join, and we'd love to have you inside. So though further delay, here's the first half of the Ask Me Anything session on operator training sorry, operator safety during handling and cleanup of hazardous dust with David Hakes. So welcome to this Ask Me Anything session in the Dust Safety Academy. Today we have David Hakes, president of XP Products. He's based out of Naperville, Illinois. And we're talking about operator safety during handling and cleanup of hazardous dusts and powders. So uh, David's background, he uh, has a mechanical engineering background from Bradley University. He has over 30 years experience in bulk powder systems. Uh, he's done over 400 plant visits, over 100 DHAs, focused internationally and in the U.S. and in Canada, um, in food and beverage and pharma and chemical and plastics, powder coating, metals and wood. The reason I bring that up is he's seen a lot of the practical things that go on in facilities. And the reason for this topic today is we've done a lot around testing, around dust hazard analysis, around uh, management systems, dust collection, explosion prevention. I want to touch base on a, on a sort of slightly different topic today, and that's about keeping operators safe. In particular, we're going to talk about actually handling powders, and we'll probably talk a lot about dust collection, switching out, say, drums, or what to do with the powders after you're done. What are some of the risks that are associated with that? What are some of the causes of loss that tend to come up? Uh, and we have, again, David's uh, experience here for the next hour or so to go through this topic and learn as much as we can. So again, if you're just tuning in and you're getting into the session, Go ahead and type into the Q&A box to scroll down um, where you're coming in from. That's where you'll be asking any questions they have for this session. So Dave, I guess just a good place to jump in or start. Um, did I miss anything in your background in terms of combustible dust or in terms of operator safety that you think would be good for folks to know coming into the session and what kind of questions they should be thinking about asking what kind of topics uh, you know make sense to talk about today? First of all, thanks, Chris, for having me and uh, appreciate everybody that can 
hear us and, and learn more about uh, what we're doing with the Academy. I think we covered a pretty good range. You know, this we're going to limit this to an hour. I want to say there's, oh, you know, OSHA has some some new hazard communication coming out that I think is going to is going to be uh, mentioning operator safety. And it's specifically going to mention combustible dust. So what I would say is just kind of look out for some of these OSHA that are coming through if your EHS person or someone in your company is dialed into OSHA correspondence. Um, there's some newer things out there, but for the most part, I think you covered a good part of it, Chris. Perfect. So as I mentioned in these AMAs, we covered a lot of things from testing to DHAs to explosion protection to fire protection, all topics that you know David's very well versed in and, and works with with XP products. Today, we're really kind of focusing on the operator, on things they need to know terms of handling combustible dust and i want to talk about just sort of kick things off this this idea of so we have a dust collection system we collect the hazardous dust to get it out of the facility to keep the dust levels down so they're below you know flammable limits below exposable limits um, and it goes into some sort of system or goes to the dust collector but when it comes out of the dust collector what are some of the hazards associated with that whole process i mean you're not you're not done then right the 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 hazard is still there. The combustible dust is still there. So what are some things you've seen with the combustible dust, with the equipment that's used that, that come in that think people need to be thinking about in terms of their operator safety? Right, right. No, that's that's a that's a great point. I think there's, there's a, a lot more emphasis over the past couple of years on what do they do with the waste coming out of the dust collector? You know, there's a, some, some companies recycle the waste. If you're in maybe the wood or furniture business, you may recycle it. Some food and pharmaceutical companies uh, may have some recycling. So, um, but but there's a there's a point of contact when the the waste drum or the barrel or whatever kind of container is underneath the dust collector. The operator at some point has to come in contact with disconnecting and removing that container from the bottom of the dust collector. And there's just more and more emphasis being put on on this uh, this whole process because the operators need to have some training. They need to understand what they're doing, what kind of dust uh, possibly they're being exposed to, and at the same time making sure that they understand what kind of equipment is is on the bottom of this dust collector that's allowing this dust to um, basically be separated from a, a negative vacuum system into a a container that is, is is atmospheric. So there's, you know, you can have a valve, you can have a rotary valve, a butterfly valve. There's there's different components on the bottom of a of a dust collector. So it's important to make sure that you know there is a whether it's a lockout tagout to uh, control the energy source, whether it's an electrical energy source that runs a motor for rotary valve or compressed air that's going to actuate. A valve. Um, in most cases, they're hand valves, but you know those those energy sources really need to be looked at as as uh, you, as you would follow a lack a lockout tagout procedure in, in the plant if you're working around equipment. So it's just it's just important to you know not forget that that this is an area that can expose the operator to some potential safety problems, and um, you know there's. I, you know, I, I, again, we could spend another hour on rotary valves, right? There's, there's been a, 
an increase in um, rotary valve injuries with, with fingers. And, and a lot of that has to do with guards being removed from rotary valves. The discharge of rotary valves has, um, you know, needs to have machine guarding on it so that the operator can't reach up in there to try and, you know, grab some trash or garbage or waste. And then, um, you know, potentially get their fingers caught in the rotor or the rotary valve. So that's, that's probably one of the most common and that that's, that's creeping its way up into the top 10 of, of OSHA violations. You know, rotary valves is, are, are a clear issue that, that needs to be dealt with. So the training, understanding the operator, what they're doing out there, what equipment is there and how it's operating is very important. That makes sense. And to kind of, to frame this discussion, I think it makes, it's helpful to sort of bend things and people can ask questions about specific aspects of it. So I do want to come back to, to, guarding because i think there's some you know reasons why why people take the guards off you know what do you get from that and then what do you really need to you know how do you need to handle that in a better way but to sort of sum up we have maintenance procedures on whatever device is is pulling the material out of your dust collector i don't know if you call it an upset condition but like if something gets stuck like you get a screw stuck in there or it's jammed up or have been jammed up against the guard uh, and you can't get material out i think there's probably hazards associated with the material you're sucking up you know, if it's a metal and it's wet, then, you know, maybe there's some issues there. Is there any other sort of general categories of hazards that you might be, folks might, might not be thinking about if they're an EHS manager tuning into this um, or if they're an operator? You know, uh, I would, I think you covered it pretty well. Just just to, you know, expand on the the material, the, the dust that they're collecting and and possibly being exposed to. You know, we've done some um, work with pharmaceutical companies where, you know, they, they have some active ingredients that are, are being collected in a dust collection system uh, near the packaging and filling machines or tableting equipment. And, you know, that needs to be uh, basically that that needs to be isolated with, with some sort of bag or liner system or, you know, uh, or surrounding that there's there's PPE, there's, you know, clothing, respirators, other things that, you know, companies may need to train their operators on. But uh, to minimize that exposure, you know, you're doing your best to try and contain and control any of the dust or powder coming from some pharmaceutical process and allows the operator to, to tie it off, isolate the product in a drummer container and then remove it from the site. Okay, so let's let's dive into to of sort of guardrails, PPE, and then, you know, SOPs on changing out uh, operating equipment and keep your questions coming in as uh, people tune in. Again, we have more people coming in probably from the email. We're running about, we're running a half an hour early than we, we would normally. So keep your questions coming in. We'll make sure Dave gets those. In terms of guards, is it pretty common when you go into a facility to see if the guards have been removed on things like rotary valves for the dust collection system? And, and maybe why do you think that ends up happening? Yeah, unfortunately, from my experience, I, I see 60 to 70 percent of the guards removed from rotary valves that were originally put on there. And, you know, the, the, the reason for this and, you know, to find that out, you're 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 look, you'd have to look at the dust collector and either pull the flex aside or pull the flex connection off or whatever connection they have to the, the drum or waste container. But the rotary valve companies are doing a good job of shipping the rotary valves with a finger guard in place on the discharge flange of the rotary valve. 
you know, they they want to remove themselves from the liability. The, 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 the problem that you get into is it's just, you know, the the nature of the product you're dealing with. It's it's going to have, for example, fiberglass. You get a lot of stringy materials and fabric industries. You're going to get, you know, pieces of fabric and metal industry. You know, you, you can get other things that not only may have a hard time dropping through a rotary valve, but after they drop through a rotary valve, now they're being caught up in this, this finger grate that is, is used as a, a machine guarding for the, the piece of equipment. So this machine guard really is right in the middle of a process. You know, the process is dropping material from the dust collector into a waste drum, but it can also be a choke point. It can be a bridging point and it, it can hinder flow. Uh, for that. So that's why they're removed. Um, when they're removed, people need to understand that they've created potentially a very dangerous situation and, and you need to um, incorporate other procedures. You know, like you said, standard operating procedures, and that would be making sure there's a, a lockout tag out, make sure that there's, there's no, no bolts or uh, pieces of equipment that are blocked or locked into the veins of the rotor so that it's, it could rotate once, once that blockage is removed. So de-energizing the drive, de-energizing electrical is, is the best way to do that. And um, I, I feel like for any dust collector, whether you've got a rotary valve or any type of other valve on the bottom of it, you should be following a lockout tagout procedure. Um, which I rarely see. I'm, I'm seeing a little bit more and more of it, but it's only because of some of the, the horrific, you know, hand injuries and finger injuries we've been seeing the past year. Yeah. And it makes, it makes sense. I was just looking, we get, uh, the team gets yeah. updates from BC Forest Safety Council, go to their website. They have these manufacturing safety alerts. Um, this one's not related to combustible dust, but it just came through 15 minutes before this session on, a strapper head operation where a trainer and trainee were um, trying to unjam this strapper in a, in a wood facility. Same thing. The trainer went to do something. The trainee thought it was all right to lower, you know, lower the level set on a piece of equipment. A board got jammed and ended up levering and hitting the trainer in the, in the face. Luckily, it seems like it was um, lacerations and minimal. Doesn't seem like it was a, you know, a large injury but it could have been much worse. And that's the same sort of thing you're talking about with these rotary valves. If you don't lock the mode and tag the mode electrically and mechanically, if you got a bolt stuck in there and you remove that bolt and the thing starts spinning, if your hands in there, it's gonna, it's gonna go with it. They're, they're very strong pieces of equipment. In terms of PPE, is there, what kind of PPE would you expect to see on someone that's going to do, or maybe hope to see, <laughs> on someone that's going to remove the dust from uh, say drums or dust collection equipment um, in regard to guarding and foundation injuries, but then also dust exposure as well. Yeah. I think the, um, again, this would be depending on the dust. Let's, let's assume, you know, we're, we're talking about, let's just get a, a plastic dust or wood dust from, from a manufacturing operation. You know, it, it's, in those situations, you're typically not suiting up with a full, a full body suit. But I think at a minimum, you, you need to have a mask, a face mask. It could be one of the, the COVID type masks. I, I, it's important to have a bump cap. Um, when you get underneath those dust collectors, there's cross beams, there's members, there's all kinds of um, head bumping areas that 
you can get yourself in trouble with. Steel-toed shoes would be important. Um, as you're moving a drum with 200 pounds of material in it, they start to roll it and it tips and it drops. And it, you know, I've, I've seen it. I've seen, you know, toe foot damage from rolling around a drum and trying to move it out of place. So gloves, I would say a helmet or a, a bump cap, a hard hat, uh, a mask, a safety mask, just, just to protect you from any exposure of the dust. And, you know, have some good working gloves and steel-toed shoes. You know, you're out there working in a, in, a, in a confined area. It's not confined space type of limitations. But, you know, I've bumped my head plenty of times on, on cross beams and, and equipment underneath dust collectors because it's a pretty tight area when you're getting to that drum or container or tote or whatever you're using. That makes sense. Yeah. Be, a, I guess, a congested area with, uh, you know, lots of, like you're saying, lots of overhead beams, lots of areas to, to, uh, hit a corner or to, to bump your head into if you're, when you're standing up or moving around, I guess we, we covered sort of a lot of things that would go in a standard operating procedure then in terms of PP, in terms of guards and lockout tagout, are we missing anything else? Like, I don't know, maybe telling someone that you're doing the, the, uh, you're removing the, the drums from the dust collector. Or there's some other sort of yeah, yeah. I mean, you should do from a standpoint of, of just operations, um, you know, the, the dust collector is is obviously it's a piece of equipment that's being used somewhere in the process, whether it's a packaging um, operation, whether it's a grinding, a milling machine, a mixer, um, bagger, whatever is going on is collecting processed dust from from inside the plant. So in many cases, you know, it's it's important whether it's the production manager or whoever's in charge of those dust collectors and removing the waste, you know, that they're, they're aware of, of what's going on. Cause um, I, you know, I prefer that the dust collectors are shut down before you remove the waste and put another drum or put another container underneath. But in a lot of processes, you can't do that. You can't shut the equipment down. So I think, you know, having some, some signage out there that, you know, there's, there's this, this equipment, uh, warning, uh, you know, combustible dust or any other type of, you know, hazard communication out near the dust collector that can at least give a chance to maybe think twice before he, you know, grabs something or pulls open a lid or shuts off a valve. So we're going to end this episode of the podcast there. We do try to keep these to around the 30, sort of 45 minute um, timeline for folks that are driving from work or maybe doing a workout and listen to them there. In this episode, we covered this Ask Me Anything on operator safety during handling and cleanup of hazardous dust. Again, as I mentioned in the interview or in the discussion, we covered a lot of topics around combustible dust, around the equipment that's needed, around the technology. Uh, but we, we don't often talk as much about the administrative side, about safely handling materials, about things like PPE and you know standard operating procedures and that sort of stuff. So I want to get this out on the podcast through there. We're going to come back next week with the rest of this session, which was open question and answer. We'll cover what to, how, what to do with the collected dust, how often should barrels be removed, how do we handle hazardous powder spills or combustible dust powder spills, recommendations on level of operator training, and other specific questions related to dust cleanup with uh, David Higgs. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. I appreciate all the work that you're doing in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer with all the work that you're doing, and I hope you have a safe week ahead. Thank you.